Welcome all to our second part of our Yom Naraim series, uh, pre-Rosh Hashanah. For those of you listening on Torah anytime, you can get your the notes if you just email me, meaning all the sources, at estween at gmail or WhatsApp me, okay, 516-526-2096. Now, we are under a lot of pressure, everyone, like last week too, when there's so many people dedicating this year, we really, we owe them, you know, we got to work hard and make it real. So here's all the people that are participating in dedicating this year today. Shuli Baruch for Ashana Tova to all. Esther Horowitz, Le'iloi Nishmas, her father, Moshe Meir ben Yechiel Mechel. Ilana Lipman, in memory of her dear father, Moshe ben Michael, in honor of Ora Bat Baruch, um, and same as last week, Meshem, guard her like the pupil of an eye for Fua Shalema for Yaakov ben Sarah, Hakaras Atov, and Brochas Amen Amen, and to everyone to have a beautiful, blessed new year. Bela Forestine, Lizchus Frida Bas Bela. Michal Wixen, Fua Shalema Tavram Yitzchak ben Chaya Rus. Michal Estral, Eloi Nishmas of Moshe, Yitzchak ben Avram Aryeh, commemoration of his 10th yard site. Carrie Jerome, Le'iloi Nishmas, her mother, Ita Bas Yitzchak Shmuel, whose yard site is the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Sherry Degani. Oh, look at this. Are these always, I never see these, you know. A dedication to for Esther Shear. Okay, so thank you so much for all her teaching. Okay, that's very nice. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I'm glad you're gaining. Sima Selmar, for Ksiva Chasima Tova, for all of Klai Amen. Rifki Youngrace for Ksiva Chasimatova for for Chachma Bechesed Torah Circle, Rafur Shlema Bekar for all Cholei Shol, and from Beth Bennett, in honor of beautiful inspiring words of Torah. This is so nice of you. Um, amen, 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 for all the the uh, good wishes and glad everybody's gaining and Rafur Shlema and also for Chana Bas Buria. Okay, here we go, everybody. We have a big question. We named this class. Where do we, oh, where's the name? All right. Oh, Tanya wrote that? Oh, that's so cool. Where did she write that? Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. All right. So we, we have so many indications that the title of the class is on the second page. Okay. The title today, the class is called Taking the Drama Out of Our Relationship with God. Now, when I mean drama, I mean it in a bad way. Like trauma that makes us like super like uncomfortable and unhappy, that kind of drama, and like feeling bad about stuff, okay? So first, when we, whenever we talk about, you know, our relationship with, with Hashem, um, we have to ask some basic questions, right? What is, what exactly is our relationship with Hashem? What does that even mean? Now, you guys sitting in the class, okay, you hopefully have a more advanced understanding of that, but when you ask more, most people what their relationship with Hashem is, they struggle to sort of figure it out, and place themselves, you know, properly. And, uh, and and here are some questions that, you know, that help people try to figure out if, if they're in a good, in the right mindset or in, and not a very functional mindset. One is, what part of your relation with Hashem tends to lead to internal drama? Now, what do you think the answer would be here? Fear, Fear right? Um, you know, guilt, tons of guilt, um, a feeling of... Um, uh huh. Yeah. Well, in terms of our relation with Hashem, what leads to drama? Yeah, jealousy, maybe like confusion. Like, why does why don't I get this? Why does she have that? Like, why don't you love me? Why are you why are you hurting me? Why are you not giving me what I want? Right. 
Now, what sort of beliefs contribute or add to this drama? What sort of belief do you have to have these sort of uncomfortable, disturbing feelings and confusion? What are some of the beliefs that you have to have? You mean the, the bad belief? Like the belief yeah, it's, yeah. I'm in control. No, yeah, well, I'd like to be in control, which means Hashem, I did what I'm supposed to do. I daven, I said Hashem 40 times. I lit I lit 10 minutes early. I be like, made Chala, and I gave Sadaka, and this, you didn't do your part. And by the way, none of those things are actually mitzvahs. Let's say mitzvahs, okay? Okay, I, <laughs> I actually, right, I made... Rachas, that's Mrs. Drabanan. Okay. I didn't uh, violate low sassings. I didn't speak Lashon Arche. I did my part. What's going on? You, where's your part? So, like, so there's certain beliefs that add to this like negative drama. And that is that Hashem is some sort of controllable, knowable machine. And here's the buttons you push, and here's what you get. And the truth is that um that sort of arrangement, you know, has a basis because, for example, we're going to see there's a bracha. But last week we looked right in Tisavo, right? There's a bracha and a klala. If you keep the mitzvahs, the rain will fall, and your crops will grow. And if you don't, you will you will have a famine, and the crops of the rain will not fall, and then you will not have money. It's very this for this tip, you know. There's a very clear equation here. So I'm keeping myself the equation. What's going on, right? So. Um, Question mark, are these days, which are called the Yamim no Ra'im, the days of awe, are they contributing to the drama? Mm -hmm. What's happening here? Lots of speeches, right? Um, about, you know, you, you know, that your Gazar Din for the next year is going to be written and sealed, and this is it, and you go, right? All that kind of stuff. Okay. So let's start analyzing our relationship with Hashem. Because it's not, it's not just that there's one, there's alternatives, there are different ways. There are different types of relationships with Hashem, okay? Our relationship with Hashem is defined in the bris between us and Hashem, okay? Now, the good news is that, or the, well, there are, there's not just one bris. There's two, and they're very, very, very different because there are two alternatives, okay? So the bris number one is at Harsinai. Look in the Pasuk, Shemos 24.8. Bikach Moshe, this is in this is already in Mishpatim. Bikach Moshe has Hadam, Bayizrak Al Ha'am, Bayomer Hine Dam Habris. This is the blood of the bris that Hashem cut with you. Okay, uh, all of these things. Now let's go back and just remember what happened. Hashem basically through Moshe spoke to the nation and said, "Do you want to be a Goy Kadosh, a very different sort of nation, Mufrash?" And they said yes. That was about it. They said two words: Nasa, Nasa Vinish. That's it. Then they heard the Asarasadibos. Okay. And then there was a, and then before, after there's a whole question here, but that's not the point right now. They had Moshe wrote or spoke to them all of you know the Torah up till Harsinai, the, you know, the whole story of the Torah they reviewed. Then they said Nasa Vanishma. The Torah only went up to this point. That was called the Sefer Habris, the book of the covenant. They made a covenant and they basically went into a gerus. They all they had their brismila. They sprinkled the blood. They accepted the Torah. Okay, that was called the bris. Were there any terms to this bris? Do you remember any terms to the bris? Like, if you do this, I'll do that. Did, did. Anybody have any memory of that by Harsinai? No, there's no terms. Okay. However, last week we read that right before they go into Eretz Yisrael, Moshe standing with them in the Eretz Moab, and he says, okay, right, remember the whole 
remember Har Grizim, Har Avel, here's the, right? Say, this is the thing. If you keep my mitzvahs, right? Start looking at this, right? If you listen to Hashem, Hashem's messages, right? Lishmor, to observe, you know, to guard and to do all the mitzvahs that I'm teaching you today, okay? All right. Um, then it goes through literally 68 psukim. Huh? Oh, no, the notes are Seamus. I'm sorry. Which where? Where is it? Where's Hashem's name? Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Okay. So now... Oh gosh. Okay, yeah. All right. So now you see that um Moshe. Okay, so now you have a lot of psukim. If you go through the psukim, you will see that it's like on and on and on terms of the bris. And very specific, very detailed. If you do this, this, if you don't do this, this, and then one thing to do. And then at the end of the whole thing, Ayla Divrei Habris. These is these are the this is the items of the bris, okay? That Moshe made with the nation. All right, and then it says at the end of the pasuk, in addition to the bris that Hashem made with them in Chorev. All right, so now the question we have three questions, okay? Why was there a need for an additional bris? Okay, what is the difference between them? I think we know very different. No terms versus tons of terms. And why did the bris Sinai not include the terms, whereas the bris in Moab has extensive sets? Why? why? We see that, but the question is why? The first one is plural, okay. okay, that's not exactly the question, though. The question is why is it not, are there no conditions in the bris Sinai? It's just like, you accepted it, here's my Torah. And by the way, what happens in if, how, yeah, and what happens in bris Sinai if you violate it? Remember what was supposed to happen? It's over. It's all or nothing. The Moshe, right, Davin, the Nazi Yom Kippur. It's an all or nothing situation. Okay. Because we, we went into the land and now we had to do things ourselves. So, so we were there. Okay. So they were going into the land, but the real, the, and that is true, but the focus of the Bris and Moab is um, behaviors, all sorts of behaviors, and exactly what will happen if we step out of line and how. Right. So you're right that we are getting more involved in life. So is it just more like Harsina is Klal and this is Prat? These are the details. That was the general detail. Is that all it is? Let's see. So Esther, wasn't there also a bris in Mara before Harsinai? Um, there, I don't, that's a good question. I'm not sure the exact language of that. So I, I but um, there is, you know, the there, I'm not sure the exact language of that, but um, it's a good question. But these are definitely, well, we're going to see the juxtaposition of these two Britot, okay, in the Pesukim coming up right now, that they compare the two, okay? All right, I'm going to have to move. As there wasn't, the Harsinai was the, uh, the first set of Luchos. Yes, the first Luchos, yeah. But that's when the first and Before going in there, so yes, first was at Harsinai, and then was at uh, Moab. And we're going to see how these two, these two Britot are kind of like compared to each other. Okay, so I have to mute, mute you guys one second, but I have you can mute your unmute yourselves if you want. Okay, but but um, sparingly. Okay, now let's let's um, 
let's deconstruct, let's break down Rabbi Silchas Shuvah. Okay, we're leaving these questions, good. We're gonna get back to them, okay? The time of the year now is a time where everybody takes out Hilchas Shuvah and reviews them. It's a very short pamphlet, but it's chock full of right. fundamentals of Judaism, okay? So let's go through the construction of the Sefer because in the very construction of it, it leads to questions. So chapters one through four is really a whole um, careful um, kind of guidebook to tshuva, how to do it, what's tshuva, and what, you know, who can do tshuva, can't do tshuva, all the laws of tshuva, this is how you do tshuva, you have to say vido, you have to admit it, all sorts of stuff, okay? After he goes, finishes talking about tshuva, and it's called laws of tshuva, spends two chapters, it's totally nothing to do with tshuva, into Bechir all about the S that it's, it's the fundamental ikr of Judaism. You have to know you have Bechira. If somebody says you don't have Bechira, they don't know what they're talking about. Everybody has permission to, to make their own choices. It goes into that. Then chapter seven, he goes back to Tshuva and he says, therefore, okay, we're going to see the language in a second. Therefore, everybody should try to do Tshuva because they have this option. They have Bechira. And therefore, they, in that way, they can die as a Baal okay, and go into Olam Haba. Then he goes into Schar and Olam Haba, what it's all about. Then he goes into Bracha and Klala, just like the second bris, all about the talking about that Bracha and Klala is not the same as Schar. It's a situation in this world, whether it be pleasant or unpleasant, difficult or easy, that's Bracha and Klala. And in the end, he said, goes back to the final one is about that the ultimate goal is knowing and learning and open your mind and loving Hashem. The question is, what happened here between the first four chapters, all about Shuvah, then he felt the need to go into a deep dive into Bechira. Then he went back and said, now that you're Bechira, you should try to do Shuvah and, and die as a, as a Baal Shuvah and go to Gan Eden. What happened here? What do you think? And then he talks about Tzachar, Gan Eden. What happened here? What would be your, what would be your guess? Would you, well, would you say, well, you're okay, keep going. Why wouldn't one be Bechira? So interesting, by the way, even in the first four, he never says it's a mitzvah to do tshuva. He says, when a person does tshuva, this is how you have to do it. Doesn't really talk about the mitzvah to use your Bechira to do tshuva. So would you, let's start out by suggesting that one to four are basic, there's a basic expected, um, kind of like rebalancing called tshuva that kind of everyone's sort of going to do. It's sort of going to be built into the system that most people inevitably will be in a position where they're going to want to know how to do it right. Like a blueprint? Well, and a, a, a basic, a baseline tshuva and that most people are going to at some point say, how do I do this? How do I get this done? You know, how do I effectively do this? Then he goes into a whole story about Bechira. And then after Bechira, he says, and now that you're Bechira, you have to really do tshuva. And he talks about tshuva, not in the technicalities of who can, who can't, and how, but how it's totally transformative, how you're not the same person anymore. So Sim seems to be, there's a baseline tshuva, and then there's a much higher level of tshuva that can only be achieved if you exercise your Bechira. And you don't actually have to exercise too much Bechira in the first tshuva. So it's sort of like in more inevitable. It's the second tshuva that leads to Olam Haba in the, the whole second half of the, of the Sefer 
right, of the work of Hilchas Tshuva, that really requires Bechira. And if you don't really know Bechira is, you're not going to get to the higher Tshuva, you're not going to get to Olam Haba. We're not going to have Sechar, okay? So let's go into it, okay? First of all, let's understand, let's, uh, Rambam's presentation of Bechira and then the following Tshuva beyond it, okay? Look what Rambam says. Now we're going straight to chapter five, okay? This is the language he uses. He starts talking about free choice. All right. Everybody has the option. You have permission. Okay. You can decide to be a tzaddik or a rasha, to go to good or to bad. Okay. This is the most foundational principle, the chira. Okay. It is the, it is the pillar upon which Torah and mitzvahs relies totally. Totally. Okay. Bechira. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Then he says, then he quotes Tupsukin. We're, we're really going into this scholar in a in a more academic scholarly way. We're parsing this, you know, this the 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 construction here. Okay, of course, lots of inspo from the secret weapon. Okay, look what he does. He brings Tupsukim, but do you notice something interesting about the Psukim? One comes from Devarim Lamid, chapter 30, and the next one comes from chapter 11. That's on purpose, okay? The first proof text that Rambam says about Bechira is, we're going to go down and see that. He says, I've given you today a choice between Chaim and Tov, Maves and Ra, okay? That's in chapter 30. Then he quotes chapter 11 that says, I place before you bracha and klala, okay? Two separate things, very separate agendas, very separate um, um, goals, okay? So he says, all right, now here's the, turn the page. Okay, next. So I have all the psukim. Here's the pasuk in Devarim, okay? 30, okay? And I want you to notice that it's the, the choice given to people too, the bechira given to people to choose is always used and using the phrase re'e, see. Very important, okay? Re'e nasati l'fenecha yom chayim v'satov. Chayim and tov go together. Vesa maves vesa ra, they go together. If you choose chayim, you're choosing tov. You're choosing maves, you're choosing ra. Or you're choosing ra, you're choosing maves, you're choosing tov, you're choosing chayim, okay? See that. That's in 3019, 3015 and 3019. Now look what it says. what is wrong with my eyes? Then he says, Hedosi, Hedosi. He says again, I take the, the heavens and earth for witness. Now look what he adds here. You can choose Chaim, okay, Hachaim Bahamaves. And then he says, and I place before you Bracha and Klala, right? But then what does he say? Choose Chaim. Does he ever say choose Bracha? Even though bracha and klala are a, are a choice, like Rambam says, that you're going to make, okay? It never says anywhere, choose bracha. Obviously, you don't need to tell anyone to choose bracha, right? That's sort of what they want anyway. So although we have a, a choice to choose chayim versus maves, and Rambam says that is part of your free choice, and you could also choose bracha and klala, which is your free choice, we are never taught to choose bracha and klala. We're only told to choose to choose Chaim. Okay, seem, it seems that Brachim Kolos is not really a choice. 
Okay, so it's a choice, but it's not a choice. Okay, you look at the leaven. You see, I put before you bracha v'klala. As a bracha, if you listen, the bracha, if you don't listen, then klala. Okay, bracha and klala. Now, after Rambam sets this up and he makes clearly is making a distinction between two options of how you're, you know, two aspects of life, two kind of like frameworks for life. And he's telling you, this is where free choice comes in. Then he says, okay, once you know this and you know the mitzvah of choosing life, the you have permission, you have the option, like the option, like we explained in Bechira in chapter five, now we're in chapter seven. Look at the funny language. What kind of language is it? So you should try to do teshuva. Does it say this Rambam who wrote an enormous work called the Mishnah Torah and all the halacha in the entire Torah, does he ever say, now that you have permission to make your own choices, you should try to fulfill the mitzvah of kashras, sukkis, any, nothing, never, never, never. I mean, every mitzvah we choose, no, isn't it based on Bechira? And therefore, how is tshuva different? How is it that because you're Bechira, you should try to do tshuva? And it, no, no other halacha is, is phrased like that, okay? What is it that tshuva is directly reliant on Bechira and nothing else is as much, okay? And he says, and then he says, so that, and shake your hands out from the sin, which which we're not going to talk about right now, okay? So that you should die as a Baal Tshuva and have Olam Haba. What's, this is the whole, the whole formulation is fascinating to take our, obviously hours of study, but what's the, you should try. So here we have some questions here. Why does Rambam put the Pesukim out of order? Out of the order they appear in the Torah. He puts chapter 30, but Chaim and Mavis before chapter 11 is about Bracha and Klala, okay? Why is it only tshuva that he talks about as some sort of extension of Bechira and no other mitzvahs? Why does he say a person should try? Okay. Um, oh, okay. This is, sorry, Q4 is similar to, um, uh, why is the mitzvah to choose not found in, in, in regards to bracha? All right. And why is choosing a function of seeing? If you look in both of the psukim, re'eh, is for bracha v'klola, and re'e is for chaim and mavis, okay? All right, so here we're gonna now do a perception test. How do we see things anyway? All right, we have three categories, chaim and tov, mavis and ra, and we have bracha and klola. They all say see, 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 choose, okay? Now, where's the first time that we talk about klola or death? Eitzadas. Hashem says the day you eat from it, you're going to die. Where does it talk about curse? Arura Hadama, it's cursed. Okay. How did the whole thing start? The Teira Haisha. Teira Haisha. Okay. So, right here, in going right back to the beginning, the origin, the seed of all understanding, we got this idea that there's a way to see, there's a correct way to see, and an incorrect way to see. When Isha, we have a lot of classes on this and you take two, which is the part of us that desires to be independent and, and really believe ourselves when we tell ourselves, I got this, I know what's going on, I can handle this, I, I size this up, I, my subjective opinion is correct, I'm going to handle it my way, okay, I know what I'm seeing, I trust my conclusions, right? 
when um, the, that part of us, okay, des decides to see something from our own perspective that might not be accurate. Because look, you know the whole story with the tree. Mm -hmm. She's so, imagination. We decide to see things on, uh, you know, through our own lens. All right, right. That is what leads to death and cholera. Correct. We see that's the story. The day you eat from it, no sumas, and then the earth is cursed. What does it mean? The earth is cursed. There won't be rape, the thorns and thistles. You'll work hard. Nature won't respond to you. You'll struggle with nature. You won't be in sync with nature. You'll have to defend yourself from nature, pre preempt nature. You're not going to live in sync with your with the environment that you're in. Okay. It all starts with seeing, choosing to see. Now, how are we going to talk about this? The way it's talked about in Machshava is that um, there's that there are two types of eyes. When Adam and Chava were created, now when we talk about Adam and Chava, we mean the highest possible mode of operation for for mankind. In other words, for a person designed in what's called the Tzuras Adam, designed by God, as a Tzelamilakim, with a mind that can receive the hashpa, the shefa of divine wisdom, which will influence a person and guide their emotions and guide their understanding and guide their actions. When a person operates with a hierarchy called melech, moach, lev, kaved, my mind, then which dictates my emotions, which dictates my, my gut, my reactions and my behavior. Okay, that concept melech we've learned about means that I've opened my, I've chosen, to see myself in the larger context of my existence, which we always talk about as part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's self-expression. I've chosen to open the flow called the, which, which comes through what's called the Neshama, which is attached to the Shamayim, right? Remember the umbilical cord and placenta? That's, that's the vision, Mashal, that's the out. And all of the, the entire reservoir of all ideas and truths and understanding and perception and kochos, which are waiting there for me to access, I choose to open it and I desire and I and I and I be behave in a way with mitzvahs to maximize the flow, which will then fill me with way more of a of not just a, you know of a guiding light. Which will really change me. By the way, Tfila, we did we started this last week. We're not saying Hashem should change his mind. We're saying everything's already there in the reservoir, in the Shemayim, right? It's a it really, it's really you have the ability, like Ramam says, to increase the flow. The quality and quantity of what reaches you can change. That's why we daven for refuah. That's there's a malach from Shemayim, meaning a force called refuah or repair, both physical and emotional and spiritual, it's called tshuva, and we can have it infuse us and 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 uh, enliven us. We, that's what we daven for, okay? Now, if a person, okay, in, chooses to always remember that that's the context of their existence, all right, that's the eyes they're going to see with. These are not called, these are not our physical eyes. We have a nayim, we have eyes that uh, are, are spiritualized, meaning our perception and our understanding. You know, in the East, they talk about a third eye, right? There's a higher level of seeing, seeing the truth that might not be visible to the physical, sensual eyes, which only pick up, you know, you know sensations from the physical world. So when we close our spiritual eyes, we don't want to see the big picture. We forget that we have a direct feed from God. 
that can influence us. We close our spiritual eyes. What happens then is we open our physical eyes. We open our, open our sensual eyes. And what do they tell us? They tell us all sorts of stories. They tell, they give us facts. And then we make up stories to explain the facts. We always talk about this. One of the things they tell us is, oh, guess what? Look around. Surprise, everything dies. You, you're going to die too. Remember this? And then we say, oh, no, what, are we, what am I going to do about that? And we end up in survival mode, right? We are driven. We end up in the fee, in the grip. Let's go into this now and analyze it. We end up in the grip of fear and desire. These are the two driving emotions. Fear, when we open our physical eyes, is how am I going to get my needs met in this huge world where I'm very small, vulnerable, and basically helpless. How am I going to get the stuff that I want so that I have not just my physical needs, emotional needs. I need value. I need to be people to be respecting me. Okay. I need to have influence. How am I going to get my needs met? I need to understand. I need to be smart. I need to know how to protect myself and what could happen tomorrow. I need to be, you know, one step ahead. I need physical, emotional, intellectual, um, you know, um, um, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I have needs on all three levels. I have needs on all three levels. How am I going to be smart? How am I going to be secure? Not weak and right and abandoned and right. How am I going to have it? That's we're in the grip of fear. We're, so now we're paradoxically, paradoxically, we are also in the grip of desire. It goes like this. You know what? We're all going to die. Why should I say no to myself? Why should I decline a pleasure? Why should I not enjoy myself? What's the difference? YOLO, you only live once. Why, you know, why should I say no? What do I gain in the long run? Now, the fear can cancel out the pleasure. Oh, no, I can't eat like that. I'm going to get sick and I'm going to die. I'm going to be helpless. No, 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 no. I can't enjoy myself. Then the pleasure cancels out the fear. You know what? We're going to die anyway. What's the difference? I'm going to enjoy myself. And it goes around and around and around. Okay. We end up in the grip of fears and desires, all right? And that's what happens when our physical eyes open up. Now, when our physical eyes open up, we look around the world and we say, we need rain, we, need, we don't want war, we want prosperity, we want health. How am I gonna get it? How am I gonna get it? Okay, then if you're Jewish, you heard about God. I mean, you have you have a Torah. You heard about God. You were at Harsinai. There was a God. So you go, oh yeah, there's a God. Now God controls everything. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do everything just right. That way, God's going to give me all the things I'm terrified of not having. So fear driven, we call it kosher style survivor mode. It's app. There's a consciousness of God, but the focus is how do I do things right so I get bracha and not klala. It's a very childlike type of calculation. I'm all alone. I got to figure stuff out myself. I'm really not seeing myself in a bigger context. I know what I need and I'm scared not to get it. And therefore I'm always you know, moderating myself. Do I get the bracha? How do I get the bracha? How do I avoid the follow? Okay. The only time when bracha and kala come into focus as the big calculation is when the spiritual eyes close and the physical eyes are open. That's when the big concern and the big emphasis and all the effort and everything's about the bracha and the klala, the bracha and the klala, okay? That's how it works. 
So obviously Hashem never says choose bracha. Who's not going to choose bracha? Now, even in that realm, there's choice. I've given you the choice, bracha klala. You could decide what the heck, we're all going to die, do whatever you want and say, if the klala comes, the klala comes, let the flood come, you know? After me, the flood, what's the difference? You know what I mean? You could do that. No, you shouldn't do that. Okay, you have the choice to go to really stick with bracha. Even a child who's trying to follow all the rules so that the bad things don't happen has a choice to be obedient or not be obedient. Be obedient, you know. But the Torah doesn't have to say be obedient. It doesn't say choose bracha. It says, here are my mitzvahs. If you follow them, you get bracha. If you don't follow them, you get kolod. You know, it's self-explanatory. You know what to do. Amalek is a whole interesting uh, case study and mindset. Okay. So here's what happens. See, Bracha and Klala, closing our minds, not seeing with our spiritual eyes, okay? You have to understand what that is. That isn't a choice. That's not a choice. There's only one choice you ever make in your life. There's only, there's one and only Bechir Chashos. And that is the choice to open your spirit, open your spiritual eyes. Otherwise, you don't make the choice, they'll stay closed. You don't have to choose to close them. It's not a choice. The only choice is to open them and say, oh, let me zoom out. Wait, I'm in a, I, there, there's a much bigger story here. I am part of a much greater reality. I'm part of a Kodesh Baruch who's, we always talk about self-expression. What do I do with me, my little me? Well, I have, the, I'm a whole person with my own personality, with a direct feed of this wisdom and God's own self into me. I am going to use my individuality, my particular talents, my strength, all the gifts Hashem has given me to channel somehow some my way i'll do the mitzvahs i'll bring ideas into the world like it'll come through me but it'll really be channeling hashem that's what i'm really part of i'm not beset with the same worries and fears as as uh, someone with their eyes closed okay the one and only choice we get in life is that's it connection to that flow is chayim and tov means permanent disconnection is called death and Ra means broken. And it's just a broken, the whole thing's broken. It's not working right. And it's just going to break down. That is the only two choices. This is an all or nothing choice. There are no other real choices. The only area called Bechira Chachis is this area. Because once we choose or don't choose, everything else is absolutely inevitable. If I choose to open my eyes, then I will learn. I will become, start seeing things differently. I will daven for the kochos I need. I will see the world differently. I will see other people differently. My emotions will be different. My behaviors will be different. Everything's going to be different. If I refuse to do that, if I decline that option of opening my eyes and I am all by myself, that right? And I hear, I feel like I'm all by myself trying to make it work, have a good life, not have all the pain and suffering. I'm, I'm even instrumentalizing God to make sure to kind of, you know, as a tool to get what I need then there's no more choices after that. All emotions are predetermined. You will be afraid. You will justify all your crimes. You will say, hey, I'm trying to survive. I can't worry about you. You will not be able to give in to, to, to overcome your desires. It's all, it's inevitable. You're stuck. We, so, the, so do not think about people giving into taiva or fear and thereby justifying everything they do, every excess as making choices. They're not choices. 
they are overwhelming drives that are they're, they're, that have no there is no way to counterbalance them. The only way that could possibly counterbalance this is God and a bigger picture. Okay. Now, the, I want for, for a second here, this is not in the notes. Okay. I want to just make sure we understand something. You know, Rosh Hashanah, either we envision the scale, and Rambam in says everybody has Zechuyos and Avonos. Whoever has more Zechuyos, you're Tzadik. Whoever has more Avonos, you're Rosh. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's just really know what actual definitions of Tzadik and Rosh are. We've done this too, but to, Tzadik means Tzadik. Uh, like a, when you go to buy a, a pound of potatoes, the, the, you know, in the olden days, they had a scale. So you had a, re a rock that were stone or weight that was precisely, let's say a pound, exactly not an ounce bigger or two grams bigger or less. And you gave the person exactly what they ordered. That's called an Evan Tzedek. Or if you do that with liquid, it's called a Hin Tzedek. Or, okay, it's, a, it's an accurate, consistent measure. A Tzedek is someone who accurately or consistently kind of does, you know, does what they're supposed to do. All right, that's a Tzedek. A Russia is not a Sone or an Oyev, someone who hates God and wants to destroy God. It's not. It's a total thing. The word Russia, you can look in Tehillim Aleph, Perak Aleph in the first Pasuk, look in the Mepharshim. The word Russia is the root of the word Laharshia, to lurch around, to be chaotic, to be unstable, to be disturbed. A Russia is a person that doesn't mean to do bad, but they can't keep their spiritual eyes open. So every now and then they're they're closing, their eyes closed, and then they get in the grip of fear and desire, and then they feel terrible. The Gemara says, Rashayim Malayan, not the Gemara, there's a, a, a Chazal on a Pasuk, Rashayim by, by Naziris. Rashayim Malayim Harata, they're always filled with regret. Like, oh my gosh, how did I just do that? Ramam says, put yourself on a scale. If you have one, if you have more mitzvahs than Avonas, you're a tzaddik. That means if you have a thousand mitzvahs, but you have 999 avonos, you're still a tzaddik. What does it mean? Rosh Hashanah, we're really assessing what are we more? Are we more trying to keep our eyes open and be consistent? Or are we more constantly, you know, like forgetting, slipping into, you know, our sensual eyes, which blind us, slipping into fear and desire, or having, regretting tons of regret for what we do? Like, are we all over the place? Are we more consistent or more all over the place? Okay, that's the real question. That's the only Bechira you get. Seriously, that's what's so, so important. All right. <coughs> Rambam explains. I want you to see Rambam more to, oh, shoot. This is like uh, two, um, I think it's like two, four, two, five. Look what Rambam says. says when, essentially what Rambam is saying here, you agree yourself, is when they open their sensual eyes, okay? They were not able to see anymore the truth, the bigger picture, all right? And look in the red, in the orange, which is the Mavis color for these sheets. He was punished by the loss of part of that intellectual faculty, which is the open spiritual eyes, which he had previously possessed. Now look what Rama says. He therefore transgressed the command. It was inevitable. As soon as you open your sensual eyes and start coming to your own conclusions, it's inevitable. You're going to transgress. It's that's The sin is not the so-called eating, the sin is the mind shift. That's where Bechira lies. That is the, that is the, you know, the one absolutely free choice a human being has. Nobody's going to compel you how you see yourself. Fear will compel you to keep all the mitzvahs so you don't get klala. Okay? 
desire to, for Olam Haba is going to compel you to try to do the mitzvahs. But nothing compels you to decide how you want to see yourself. It's 100% free. The only real free, free choice you get. Okay. What does tshuva look like in, you know, the survival mode or the, the bra, you know, and, and, and why we need a bracha and klala bris? Why we need a bris on bracha and klala? Because when you're in survival mode, Hashem says, listen, if you lose sight of the big picture, you still got to live the right way. It's not a free-for-all. So listen, do the mitzvahs, even if you're not, if you're too young to understand or you haven't been trained or you don't want, still trust, do the mitzvahs, Okay. If you don't, if you do the mitzvahs, it things that the system will operate well. If you don't do the mitzvahs, the system is not going to operate well. Of course, we're not even getting into all the questions of tzaddik varalo and all of that. But there's a general premise, and uh, right now we're you know we'll leave that. But there's a but he says, listen, even in that closed closed you know when your eyes are your spiritual eyes are closed, your central eyes are open, do the right thing. Don't mess yourself up even more. Okay, so in survival mode, fear is I fear death. And all its forms of helplessness, helplessness, I don't want to die. That's the source of Averis and justification of everything. Stealing, cheating, lying, self-promotion, stabbing someone else in the back, everything, okay? Survival mode desire, I indulge myself because I'm going to die anyway. What's the difference? And it keeps going back and forth, okay? Desire cancels the fear. Fear cancels the desire. What is chuba? Survival mode regret in chuba is... Sorry for being disobedient. I gave in to fear and desire. I will try to be better. I'll try to be more obedient. That is survival mode, bracha klala, kind of motivated tshuva. I, I, you know, I know I sin. I don't want the repercussions. Please don't punish me for, with all the punish, you know, with all the threat. Let you know, let my actions not have any repercussions. I'm going to do better. Okay, that's survival mode regret. Survival mode commitment. I'm promised to be better because I want bracha and not klala. Does that make sense? Okay. But tshuva in its proper and mature, okay, context means reclaiming ourselves and our creator fears and desires, which you already can tell what they are, because fear and desire is a real thing. Creator mode fear is what? I fear forgetting who I am due to the distractions of my sensual eyes that, you know, that I use to look around the world. I, I fear that. Com com creator mode desire I want to know more and feel more connected to Hashem. I want to open the flow. I want it to infuse me. I want to be alive with it. I want to see everything. I want that to be, you know, to guide me and motivate me, okay? Knowing that I am and always will be connected to Hashem through the neshama, shefa, hashgacha, cancels all other fears. You know the beautiful piece from Rabbi Yashavir Salvechen? It was Rosh Hashanah. And the whole, a lot of davening is filled with attain pachtacha, place your fear upon the people, place your fear upon the nations. Everybody should... Have Yira for you, everyone should it, right? So a psychologist met him and said, I don't understand your religion, particularly your, your, your high holy days, your new year. So much fear, all this imposition of fear, God, fear, God. Rabbi Yashabir says, no, you don't understand the fear we're talking about. It's the kind of fear that cancels all other fears. We're talking about being in awe of what you're part of. Be in awe of the melech. Remember the melech, the possibility of all that divine wisdom that it can flow into your head. And you might have closed yourself off from that. Be if that's the fear. Be in awe of that possibility. One second, let me just finish. Right? What is fear? So a creator mode fear, fear of losing connection cancels out. Okay, so just like that, fear of losing connection cancels out temptation 
weakness before physical temptation. That sort of fear cancels out physical desire somewhat, okay? And creator mode regret. I regret that I let my sensual eyes distort my thinking, slip me up. It's not, I'm sorry, I disobeyed. I don't want, don't punish me. And, and let me, you know, give me a second chance. It's, I regret that I lost myself. I let my physical eyes be my, be my, 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 uh, you know, my, um, my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My, form my narrative. What? What'd you say? Yeah. What's creative mode commitment or, right? I will always try to see with the Ruchmiya's eyes. I'm always going to try to keep my eyes open. Don't we make a bracha about this every single morning? The first bracha you make in the morning, right? After, well, after Shlosani, you know, Shlosani Kirtzon or Shlosani, right? Is, okay, but then you make another bracha at the end. You take the sleep away from my eyes and the slumber from my eyelids. Why do we have two brachas? Okay, Ibrahim is talking about physically. You're making brachas on your physical abilities. The last bracha is about this. You wake me up from my slumber. You open my real eyes. I'm, I was dreaming. When I let my sensual eyes dictate everything, I was dreaming. I was in fantasy land. This isn't the whole story. This, isn't, this doesn't explain what's really going on here. I was asleep. And you please take that sleep away from my spiritual eyes. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to just finish, and then we're going to, I'm going to take your question. Look at this. Um, yes. Rambam then goes to chapter 10. I'm not going to read it. He just says that. He ends the whole hilchus too, but that's why you have to fill the ultimate goal is to know, which means to learn and love Hashem, which because that will change who you are. It's totally transformative, okay? We have a bunch of questions to answer, but where's the Rambam? There's a whole Rambam here. Yes, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Listen to what he says. Okay. He says, this is the end. He says, anyone who, okay, let's read this. Anyone who occupies himself with Torah in order to receive reward or in order to protect themselves from retribution, hello, bracha klala, the whole tshuva. Most of the speeches you hear about in, in the assessment tshuva are, this, are bracha klala speeches. You know? Right, exactly. He's going to say that. So listen to this. Anyone who who does who receives anyone who occupies himself with Torah in order to receive reward or to protect himself from punishment, retribution is considered one who is not occupied. It's not l'shem shemaim. It's not the real thing. It's not the real bechira. Okay. In contrast, anyone who occupies himself with it, not because of fear, not to receive a reward, but rather because of his love for Hashem and the entire earth. Uh, who com who is who commanded it? Love for Hashem. I'm sorry, I can't even. The entire earth. Uh, love for the Lord of the entire earth who commanded it is called someone who occupies himself with Shem Shemaim. Nevertheless, watch this. Our sages declared a person should always occupy himself with Torah, even if it's not Lashem Shemaim, even if you're in Bracha Klala, which is legit. Be involved with it. Be focused on it. Take it seriously. Okay, because Mitoch Shalolishma. Now look what he says. Therefore, when one teaches children, women, in his days, people were not literate, okay? So don't take it personally. <laughs> and most of the common people, okay, one should teach them to serve out of fear in order to receive it. Start with bracha and klala for, for people who don't understand the big picture. It's okay to start with bracha and klala. 
it's okay to talk about it. You do mitzvahs. Hashem said this, then said that. You have to, but but you have to get till the big picture. He says here, right? In order, tell them in order to receive reward. He continues. He continues. I'm sorry, it's not here. You could look it up yourself. He says, and then until they're ready and capable of understanding the big picture. Okay, he says that. All right. Oh, this is it. Takeaway. Oh, this is the Rambam. Uh, Tanya made it as a takeaway. As their knowledge grows and their wisdom increases, the secret should be revealed to them. Slowly, bit by bit, they should become accustomed to accustomed to this concept gradually until they grow it, they grasp it and know it and begin serving Hashem out of love. You see this? So the main thing is when we want to push ourselves so that we know exactly which direction we're pushing ourselves in. Now let's try to answer the question. Okay, why was there another need for a bris? obvious if we're not on that level you got to have the second bris it still is a bris it still is an arrangement still with very much hashem involved but it's like more like the childish mode like a mother no no the bris moab is not your nava we're not doing the two luchas the first one was the big picture that ata remember we said re see see remember she closed her eyes and Shem saying in the Pasuk says, Re'e, see, there's Chayim or Maves, see? Choose Chayim. You have to tell the people to, you have to tell people to choose Chayim because it's work. That's real work. That's a real choice. It's in your hands to, you know, to make that choice in our hands. And then by Harsinai, when we saw the big picture, right? The transparency, so to speak, of the Mechitza, what do we say? We're going to sing it on some Torah. You had Ria, you saw it. You know it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. The big Avoda, the big Bechira is don't forget it. Keep the eyes open every day. Remember, that is pure Bechira. Okay, so there had to be a second bris for this situation when we're not there, like Rambam says, before you get there, before you get to that. What is the difference? The difference is that Harsinai is all or nothing. It's a total redefinition of my self-concept. There's no terms. It's all or nothing. Either you see yourself this way or you don't. But you need 50 million terms. If you do this, then this, then this, and this. And like it's like a parent setting a trillion rules. Okay? But if you just know that I that I understand my role here to be cooperative and good, you don't need a trillion rules. Okay? Why did the Bristinai not include the terms? Okay, we said that. Questions about Hilchus Tshuva. Why does Rama put these out of order? Because Rama's emphasizing that the real Bechira is, 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 is uh, Chaim. And secondary is Bracha Vakala. So he puts Chaim first, okay, before Bracha Vakala. Why is only Tshuva seen as an extension of Bechira? So that's really only the, the only real um, expression of Bechira, okay? Um, I'm sorry, once you know what sort of being you are, you can do a proper tshuva. A proper tshuva, we talked about in, in, in chapter seven, totally transformative, you're not the same person anymore. You, Hashem, you know, you have a completely new relationship. That's only out of, once you make that bechira, once we have that bechira. So it's not the same thing. Every other mitzvah is not really bechira. Once a person chooses their self-concept, of course they're going to do the mitzvahs. Once a person doesn't choose, of course they're not going to do the mitzvahs properly. Okay, even fear and desire isn't enough for most people to get them to be really like to walk the line. You know what I mean? Why is the mitzvah to choose not found in regards to bracha? Because no one's got to be told to choose bracha. It's fear. It's, you know, we need that. Why is choice frames as a function of seeing? Because the whole concept is described. She saw with her sensual eyes. Then they were, that was the, that was essentially death, disconnection. Okay. 
it's motivated by death. Both fear and desire are totally motivated by death, by death, right? And uh, and now the tikkun, what we're learning is re'e, open your eyes, the realize, and see you have chayim or mavis, and just choose chayim, like that's it. And if not, yeah, you could see the bracha and call, that's a different type of site. And yeah, and if that's the situation, then yeah, do it right, get it right. Right, so we on really what we have to end with is that um, we have five minutes before they start coming in. That um, what do you have? What's the avod on Rosh Hashanah? It's this. It's just that choice. It's just that choice, and that choice is called accepting Hashem as Melech. Right, that's what it's called. That is when Hashem is our Melech, we choose to be influenced and guided by the, this wisdom and this tr these truths. That's Hashem is the Melech. That's the one and only choice. We get to make Mirzashem, and we do make, and we have an extra special segul time. There's more power in the world today. The Shefa is stronger at this time to make that choice. Okay, quick. I just wanted to ask if there's a connection between Yure and Re'e. Yeah, of course. So, yes, Yure is that awe of seeing the big. Right. So, yes. if you had Yure, real Yure, so like what Rabbi Salvechik is saying. We will have Re'e. No, the opposite. If we have Re'e, if we really see in the big picture, we'll have Yira. We will and be filled with awe. We'll be, you, the road is first, you have to open your eyes. You have to see. You have to really internalize the big picture that what you're part of. And, and, and then you'll have awe for, you know, the whole, you know, the whole, you know, with your life and your opportunities and the opportunity Hashem has given you. But if you if you see it, yeah, you will have yira. Yeah, you'll have well, if you have re'e, you'll have yira. Yeah, you can't generate yira out of nothing. You need first the re'e. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Beautiful. Of course. Of course. By yira, it's so good. Beautiful. Say it again, Michelle. Hashem is choosing life himself by. Hashem, the first, yeah, the first tobe is, is linked to Re'ia, permanent, and seeing the, yes, beautiful. Tobe is NR, yes, beautiful. Um, no, I was going to say, I said, anything that Sometimes when you want to hear the spiritual, you know, people close their eyes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to, the hearing the shofar, there's no question, is, um, I mean, there's also a lot of Shema in, in, but, you know, that we had a, there's a lot about the shofar and the, and Rambam says in Hilchas Tshuva, when you, because, uh, you know, this is the, the, you know, it's the time for Tshuva, so this, you, we blow the shofar to wake us up from our slumber. That's how he refers to the shofar. A loud noise, right? That's going to pierce our slumber and remind us. By the way, guys, Yitzchak and eyes. Yitzchak and eyes. He's on the Akeza. He sees the whole thing. It says his eyes got weak. Which eyes got weak? The physical eyes got weak. Later in life, what is this? Right? His eyes were weak. The physical eyes were weak. Remember then he smells Ganeden. That is exactly Yitzchak. Yitzchak is the one who represents Yira. He's the one who consciously chooses to close the physical eyes and keep his eye, keep his mind on this, you know, open his spiritual eyes. That's the whole thing of Yitzchak. And that's why the ram, that came, the, the chauffeur comes from the Akeda that should have been Yitzchak. And Leia's eyes that weren't weak. 
That's another very nice idea. Leia's eyes. And velvet in the film says my eyes. So now you know a little secret about eyes and how to how what the Torah means. My eye was bothering me. Guys, um, I I'm gonna end the meeting, but I'm not gonna end the record. I mean, I'm gonna end the recording, but not the meeting. So one second, I'm gonna go out of the room because the men wanted that minute, and then I'm gonna unmute you and then we could talk. Okay, so one second. Stop cloud recording.